Welcome back to the Rural Renewal Podcast. We're so glad you're with us uh, for episode four today. And uh, our, as we've stated before, our goal for this podcast is that we would be a resource to rural congregations, to rural church leaders, and uh, be they uh, pastoral leaders or certainly uh, lay leadership as well. As an opportunity for you to hear some stories and some ideas from lots of different people. We have a really great interview guest today who has amazing stories. Uh, I, I certainly came away from the interview. I'm skipping ahead, but I came away from the interview all excited about all sorts of different opportunities and ways to be creative because uh, Marta, who we're interviewing today, is just uh, a wealth of ideas in that kind of way. So um, if you want to connect with us, which we'd like to, we were excited to be uh, to getting some feedback from people and hearing from people. Uh, you can do that a couple of ways, two main ways. Uh, the first way is through uh, a Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Rural Renewal Podcast Community. Um, and then the second way is through our email. Kathleen, what's our email address? Podcasts at freshexpressions.com. Uh, she's so good. I can't remember that. So that's why we let her say what the name is. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we're going to start off today. Uh, Kathleen is going to tell us a story about how we ended up with the dining room table that we have uh, currently. Yeah. So we, we had a dining room table, which was actually my parents' dining room table. Uh, and uh, it was a little bit small, not for our family, but we tend to try to have people over. Uh, frequently for dinner. And, and, uh, whenever we did, we'd have to move our kitchen table into our dining room table. And, and it was a whole thing. So and our dining room table was an oval. So they didn't, it was, yeah, I mean, it, didn't it worked, work. but, it it worked, it but was, it wasn't great. So, um, we, we wanted a new table, but we hadn't found quite the right one. Uh, even like, even at furniture stores, it wasn't, it just didn't fit, uh, our, our dining room. Yeah. And we were, you know, on some, we, we wanted uh, the right size dining room table at, you know, like the kind of price we were looking for. I don't know what the price was. I don't quite frankly, don't really remember, but I'm sure it was less than you'd buy pay for, you know, yes. if you're buying this new and I got a good. Definitely. Sure, so. so I, I enjoy walking a, a fair amount and especially during COVID I walked, uh, walked quite a bit and there's uh, sort of around the corner from our house, there is a dirt road. And then off the dirt road, there is a trail. It's called the West river trail. And I like to walk on that a lot. Uh, and so there was one of our neighbors, uh, she would come out every time you walked by because she has a dog and there's an electric fence, but you don't always know that there's an electric fence. And so she would come out just to, you know, tell you that there was an electric fence. So you don't, you wouldn't worry. So she did that one time we ended up talking, it was during COVID, but we ended up talking. We were like 50 feet apart and, uh, we kind of knew each other, but not really. Uh, so we just chatted for, I don't know, probably a half an hour or so. About I, I thought she was things. on a really long walk. <laughs> not <Yeah>. quite. <laughs> and uh, so uh, maybe a week later, I baked a loaf of bread and I had one of my kids uh, run it down and put it on her uh, on her porch for her. Something that Kathleen does quite often. And one of the things that I do is I'll write a little note on it because I use brown paper bags. That's that's another story. I'm I'm I, I like to use brown paper bags. So sometimes I write quotes. Sometimes I write little messages. So on it, I was like, oh, it was nice talking to you last week. If you ever want to connect, this is my phone number. So she texted me and then we started this like texting conversation and it was really lovely. And um probably a few months later, she texts me some, a picture of her dining room table. And she's like, I want to get a new dining room table. I'm getting rid of this one. Do you know anyone who could use one? And I looked at it 
And it was like exactly what we wanted. <laughs> exactly. It was bigger and it was oval and the color kind of worked with our dining room. And it wasn't, it wasn't like brand new shape, which if you have a family, like that kind of like, it makes me feel good. Cause like, it's a little warning. Um, and I don't feel as nervous about my kids like playing and, and doing things on or it. Or her husband. Uh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, so like I work I, projects. I, you know, <laughs> um, it can be a workbench. So <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I love that, that people will just text you and say, Hey, do you know someone who could use this? And I would love to give it away. And she knew she could have sold it, but she decided she didn't want to before she even talked to me. So it was, it was a great, a great way to connect with our neighbors. If you're in a rural town, a uh, rural place and resources are always a little bit scarce. Anytime you can get something that is really what you want for free is just, I mean, that, <laughs> I, that's probably good everywhere. I'm sure that's not just in rural areas, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, that was good. It was good. And yeah. we like the table. It's great. It's perfect for our family. It's, yeah. It is perfect. So, um, yeah. So uh, one of the things that happened here over the last week uh, before uh, we recorded this podcast is that we just got a huge snowstorm, actually the biggest snowstorm we've had since we moved to Southern Vermont. We got 30 inches of snow. Um, some of you, um, if, you, if you live in certain areas, if you're up where Pam was, who was our, our interview person uh, last time up in, uh, in, in kind of northern, northwestern Maine, um, 30 inches of snow, still a lot of snow there, but probably not quite as unheard of up there. Um, and we get a lot of snow, but this was, this was particularly a huge snowstorm. So, um, and you've heard that I'm, uh, that I do the weather thing. Sometimes I went to undergraduate school to be a meteorologist. So big snowstorms, uh, if you're from the Northeast and you're interested in meteorology, that's what you got you interested he in. He basically went to school because he loves snowstorms. I, yeah. Yeah, that, I'd like to. I'd like to say it was, but no, she's right. Uh, I mean, literally, like I remember one Valentine's Day, there was going to be more snow oh. at Chris's parents' house than our where we were living at the time, and we literally drove. I was like, "This is your Valentine's Day present. We're going to go to your parents' house for the snowstorm." We did, and then it was a bummer of a storm. It, it was. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the big storm. Was um, which shows you how much my wife loves me and and understands who I am as a person. <laughs> yes, we did do that. Um, so anyways, so we just got a big, big snowstorm. So um, it, it started uh, one night. And so I, I woke up, we already had about a foot of snow when I woke up in the morning and uh, I snow blow our driveway and the paths to the house. So and if it gets in, the snow was kind of heavy and wet, especially to start. So I needed to get moving on snow blowing because if I get too far behind on that, um, yeah, there's no way to catch up. So uh, and then it's time to be calling somebody with a with a with a plow or a bucket loader in this case but anyways yeah. so i was i went out to snowblow i got about halfway through the first round it probably takes me with that much snow it takes maybe 45 minutes or so to do uh to do a round of snowblowing um i was probably about halfway through through what i needed to do and all of a sudden like the snowblower was not working the way it was supposed to i was like putting it into gear and it was going really fast so there, you know there's like one, there's like six gears of speed it was like on speed six what is going on so i try to adjust it and the little like lever that you adjust it with I'm like, it doesn't feel like this is attached to anything. And that's because it wasn't uh, the uh, cable uh, uh, and not actually the, ca the cable hadn't snapped, but the little there's a little thing that holds it in place at the top, a little piece of uh, uh, metal at the top that holds it in place that had cracked in half. Um, now, uh, one of my many challenges in life is that I am not overly handy, um, which is weird because uh, I grew up. My dad is a truck mechanic. That's what he's his, his whole life. Basically, he's been a, he's worked on uh He's worked on, on uh, big big rigs and things like that. Um, uh, 
both for originally for a dairy for a, uh, a milk dairy uh and then um now he works for Ryder um and, and and runs a shop for Ryder and so he and he's incredibly handy with everything not just with trucks but with everything um and uh I don't know if it was because he uh, he passed some of that stuff down to me but uh, I don't know I just did not learn how to do a lot of that stuff um slowly as an adult I have learned how to do more of that kind of stuff uh, and certainly, uh, he's always a, a wealth of resource of knowledge when I call. I did not call him this time, though, because I was going to give it a first try on my own. Well, one, I knew if I was going to have to come up with some sort of bush fix, because uh, if I just did it, it was uh, I would need a part otherwise. But this was not the time to be trying to buy a snow. I needed to <laughs> I needed to maybe be able to blow, blow snow right then. So um, I found I felt very proud of myself in this moment. I should, I guess I'm confessing uh, <laughs> pride as a as an issue. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I took two zip ties and managed to zip tie it back together. Um, and it does need to be. It still actually isn't uh, finished, fixed. Probably after the winter, I'll fix it for good. But um, or get the part and fix it for good. But managed to do that. So uh, yeah, that was uh, kind of my success successful. Uh, Mr. Fix-It moment of the of, of the time. One of the things that will happen to you if you're in rural ministry is you will find that you uh, YouTube is an amazing source of knowledge for how to do some of those little like around the house kind of fix-it kind of stuff because uh, it's going to be in the unwritten uh, part of the job description, if, especially if you're pastoring a small town, but just living in a small town, really, um, because uh, you either have to be really good at finding neighbors who can help you out with stuff, which is great. Um, and sometimes uh, I'm probably Kathleen's good at reminding me to do that. Um, I'm not as good about asking always, but um, at, or you have to be able to figure out how to do some of that kind of stuff yourself. And uh, yeah, so I have slowly gotten better. Yeah. And we lost power for 30 hours, we which did. doesn't happen that often to us. And we have a tiny little generator yeah. so we can uh, run the heat occasionally because uh, we don't want frozen pipes. That's the major issue um and we run our fridge occasionally so that it does it stays cold but one of uh some people from church a couple they texted us and said did you lose your power too and and i said yeah and she goes well we have we have a gas stove and they have a, a wood stove for like heating their house and she's like do you want to come over for dinner and uh i didn't really have a good reason to say no and, I don't know why you would have wanted to say <laughs> And so I was like, what can I bring? And she's like, well, this is what I'm having. And I mean, she she had quite the spread. She, like, we probably didn't need to bring anything, but I feel like we should since there's five of us and two of them. <laughs> uh, so we had one of those salad, like salad mixes that you like just put the dressing in and stuff like that. That's super simple. And I was like, well, we have this. And I was like, do you want me to bring stuff to make biscuits? And she's like, oh, I made rolls earlier this week. And I was like, oh, of course you did. Uh, <laughs> So we went over to their house for a couple of hours, got warm and uh, enjoyed spending time with them. But I love I love that part of living in a small town. Yeah, certainly. I think one of the when, when, we, when we have something like a big storm happen in town, um, you're reminded again of how of, of the rural nature of, of where you're at. Um, uh, one, because things like losing power becomes a reality for a bunch of people. And that when you're not on uh, the biggest thing that happens for us when we lose power is we don't have water. Um, so yeah. We have to set water aside ahead of, ahead of schedule. Um, to be planning for it because um, we're on well water and our well pump. Uh, it, you can get a generator that will run a well pump, but ours does not. No, which is fine. Um, we don't usually lose it for long enough for that to be a problem. So. Yeah, and we have plenty of people we could yes we, we could get, get water, water from. Yeah. But um, yeah, so does mean no showers. No showers. Is, yeah, yeah we, there's places we can go if we if it gets. We didn't this time, but no, we lost power for like four days a few years ago, and we definitely 
uh, found places where you can take a shower because at some point it gets kind of worse. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, this is why you're turning into, turning into the podcast, right? To hear about <laughs> our lack of a shower situation. <laughs> yeah, that was not an issue this time. It was. Anyway, uh, our interview today uh, is with Marta Bolin, or Marta Sabrino Bolin. Uh, she was just a huge encouragement. She really is. Uh, she's a pastor in New Albany, Mississippi, and she's really creative with reaching out to the Spanish speaking community in her, in her area. And it, she's just really creative in what she does. And, and it was definitely inspiring to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things I appreciated about Marta, she's a person that, um, she kind of exudes this idea of, of fresh expression of finding different ways to bring Jesus into, into the lives of people. Um, and, and, uh, in not necessarily through the traditional inherited church kind of ways that we would normally do that. Um, although she certainly does that as well, but that, that she's just amazingly creative about that, uh, and, and in her own particular context and with some of the skills and the gifts and, uh, and the ways that God has, uh, blessed her and, and called her into the ministry that she's, she's a part of. So, um, oh, uh, yeah. What was, uh, one of the things that, uh, Sorry, I lost my place in my art. No. That I learned from that the interview. Learned from the interview. Thank uh, you, Kathleen. Yes, one of the things you learned. Uh, listening to needs and not replicating what has already been done. Yeah, one of the ways that I think uh, Marta makes sure that she's really creative is she just figures out, well, hey, what needs to happen around me? And uh, is it being done? And if, if it is, great. Maybe we can help out a little bit. Maybe we don't need to. And if it's not, hey. She'll just take it on as a project. It's yeah. amazing. It's really, truly amazing. So I really appreciated that about her. Um, I uh, One of the things I took away from was to not be hesitant when we see a need to do what we can do to address it. Uh, just having that kind of heart uh, uh, whenever we approach the world around us that, hey, I see this need. Is there something I can do to address it? Um, and to just jump right on that, not to, not to be hesitant about it, not to try to, uh, I feel like, uh, I would be tempted to over strategize about it or to be like, well, once this thing happens, then I'll do this thing. No, just uh, sometimes it's good to just jump right on it. When you see so so uh, really great stuff from Marta here. And uh, so enjoy the interview. We're back today talking with Marta. Uh, Marta, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you end up doing ministry in a rural location and what led you to what you're doing now? Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. I guess, I guess uh, God sent me here. I, it has to be. I mean, I guess no, I know it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my story is it's uh, it's a little fun. Uh, and it started when I was 16 years old, believe it or not. Uh, when I was 16, I came here to Mississippi to a, a college that's called Blue Mountain College. Now it's Blue Mountain University, Christian University. And I came here from Puerto Rico. That's my that's where I'm from, born and raised, mm. and because I wanted to come to the States to go to school. Mm. And my mother said, well, I have to find you a place where you can be safe. Right. I was just 16. I'm, I started school early. So a friend of hers. I mean, out of clear blue sky, talks about this college, which is in a very, very small town. It's called Blue mm-hmm. Mountain here in Mississippi, in North Mississippi. And it has about five, at that time it had about, this is the 70s, uh, it had about 500 people mm-hmm. that lived there. So very small town. So when I got here for the first time, I said, I'm not staying here. This is not me. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
long story short, I did finish my, my bachelor's, finish my master's, went back to Puerto Rico. And about 15 years ago, I came back for a class reunion hmm. and uh, re-encounter an old boyfriend. And anyway, long story short, this is my second round here in Mississippi. So I married this man mm-hmm. and I started being here in Mississippi again. And then it came all clear to me why God brought me to this place when I was 16. Of all odds, how do you end up from Puerto Rico at Blue Mountain? Look it up in the map. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, in, this, in this college that only 60 girls, it was a woman's college and only 60 girls lived in, on campus. Wow. And, but now I know why he did that. Hmm. Well, he brought me back the second time and I start going to church like any other Christian, you know, and I start working uh, with the children's ministry. And it just started to hit me. Well. There's so much more I can do. I had retired. I have worked all my life with children and I had retired recently at an early age so I can marry this man and come here. And God worked that out, too. And that's another day, another story. uh, The reality is that I said, what can I do? And for the first time of me being here in the United States, uh, I started feeling discrimination. Mm. And well, as you see, I'm like complected. I my eyes are green, so I really don't look. A lot of people say you're not Latino, you know, but I am. And anyway, and I started feeling, and I told my pastor, and his name is Brother Dan. I said, if I feel that way, I wonder how this other people that are Latinos that are probably in you know in the kitchen working or working in construction feel this. I am a fairly educated woman. I mm-hmm. I have a lot of advantages that they don't have. So that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. So I started working in a ministry for the Latino community in rural Mississippi and in, uh, in northeast Mississippi. And I started working and the hardest thing I had was how do I reach this people? Because precisely it's rural and everybody is everywhere. So mm-hmm. you might go to another big city and you may could find uh, all the congregation, all the Hispanics here and all the Italians here. And all, no, no, here, everybody's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, one of the things that I tried to do was to find a common ground, a common place where they could come. Anyway, that's how it all started. How do I ended up being a pastor? I still trying to figure that one out. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a late bloomer, I might say. I mean, I just be, I'm a pastor uh, just four years in, in this area. You know, it's something fairly new. I always tell all my coworkers and colleagues and colleague pastors, I said, I'm a baby pastor. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm old, but I'm a baby pastor. And uh, anyhow, that, so one thing led to another, working with the people. Uh, getting involved more with them, trying to get Christ in their life. And the next thing I know, here I am. I'm a pastor. I got a church. Uh, and it serves both, both communities. It serves English-speaking people and Hispanics. Hmm. So I'm still trying to figure out that. But it started all when I was 16 years old and my brother brought me here. And I think God hmm. had a plan. I think, no, I know God had a plan. 
for me. Yeah. But since then, yeah, that uh, um, the uh, geographic nature of how God kind of brought you back to this little place that He had brought you to before. Um, we felt uh, both of us felt very called. We grew up in in uh, New Hampshire, so r- uh, uh, relatively rural, northern New England, and felt very called during uh, by during our time preparing for ministry to northern New England as well. So same kind of sense where this was like a place God was calling us to for a specific mm-hmm. purpose. And so I, I think we've heard that from a lot of people, I think, in rural ministry that it feels like um, it wasn't necessarily, especially in the beginning, what they were necessarily thinking. But as, as, as it became clear from God through their time, uh, discerning that out, that God has really called them to this place in a sense that um, these people I, are the people that's called me to pastor. I asked God, I said, what do you want me to do? Listen, I'm, 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 I'm old. I don't need to go. And my thing is that, I, you know, uh, I had to go to school. Then, you know, mm-hmm. we have in the Methodist church. I'm, I'm, I'm from a Methodist church. And so they require you to go to school. And I told, I told my district superintendent, I said, listen, I'm too old. You know how long has it been since I've written a paper? Probably 45 <laughs> years. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing this because of, of, of I want to study. I want to do this because my hands want to serve mm. the Lord and I want to work yeah. with the people. But anyway, I'm taking a class now again, and that just gives me a lot of stress. Anyhow, <laughs> it's, it's just part of it, part of it. But anyway, yeah, it's it's really interesting how God puts us at the right, the right place. We sometimes do not understand a lot of people. And you're going to laugh at this. When I first came here, when I was 16, I was raised Catholic, okay, forced mm. from a Latino country, and I was in a Baptist co- in a Baptist college. Don't ask me why, but that's where my mother wanted me to be. <laughs> and so people will ask me, "How did you get here?" You know, and I, I was immature, ignorant in a sense in, in about Christian life, you know. And I will hear that people will say, "Well, the Lord wants this, and the Lord wants that." And I started saying, the Lord sent me here, mm. you know, just to get it out of the way. I was saying that actually when I was 16, just to say it. But now I understand that actually he did send me mm. there for that purpose. So my mother is responsible for all this. She just kind of cohorted with God and just worked at everything out. So that's anyway, that's the story behind all this. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much. sharing. I, I appreciate hearing your story. Uh, what do you see as God's specific mission for your particular context? Well, <laughs> there's so much here. There's a lot of, uh, first of all, I would say the first mission is to love. Mm. To love. Uh, I work with the Latino community here. We have a big community. It's growing every day more and more. I remember when I first came here, in the college, I was the only person that spoke Spanish. And around here, you would not find anything in Spanish. Now, that's not the reality now. Mm-hmm. 23% of the, the students in the schools are Hispanics. So it's been growing immensely. So the mission basically uh, has become more as a task of, uh, you have to do it, Marta. There's nobody else that can do this around here mm. because people do not speak Spanish or English. Mm. So our mission here is to be more like, I would say, an advocate uh, mm. for the Hispanic community. Uh, it's to stand up for their rights. It's, it's to translate, to facilitate their life. But most important of all, 
it's to empower them spiritually and otherwise in order to be part of the community and be able to grow in both sense. So we have what we call the mission. It's it's called uh, it started fresh expressions the mission, and that's how I we named it uh, because it all started with fresh expressions. And I really didn't know what I was doing. Okay, so I just uh, <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't know anyway. I told you I'm a baby pastor. Okay, so <laughs> and so it started. And it's called fresh expression. One day, God woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a morning person. Okay. So <laughs> I, I have to say it was four o'clock because I'm not a morning person. Anyway, he woke me up and he said, get a, pe- get a pencil and get a paper. Mm-hmm. And I wrote and he gave me the vision of my mission. Mm-hmm. And it was to facilitate a place where Latino, the Latino community will be loved, respected, embraced, and that will grow spiritually. And mm. will grow uh, in other ways so they can be integrated into the community, so on and so forth. So we work with four areas, basically. We work with spiritual development. Yep. We work with community development. We work with family development. And uh, I'm getting, forgetting one. Good. Community development. Family. And I'll tell you the, the other one. I forgot it. Anyway. Uh, so that's our mission is to help these families embrace these families and nurture them and help them to have a better life. It was your church tr- traditionally. Uh, is, is your you're in a new church or is, was your church traditionally a non Latino church that um, has embraced this as you came in? Or well, we've gone through a lot of things. Hmm. That's another thing. First, I was like a nomad. I didn't have a place. Okay. Uh, so we met at the library. That's where it all started because being being rural, uh, I didn't have a place and people were all over the county and it was very hard to find a place to meet. So like I said, I had to find a common ground, a place where people would come and they would know where it's at. So the best place was the library. Mm. So I joined and I partnered with the library in town, with the Union County Library. And we started a summer reading program. Mm-hmm. And it, that's how it all started because then nobody will read here in Spanish, and they didn't have a section in the library that was with Spanish books. So I said, okay, here's where we're gonna go. My mother was an English teacher, English as a second language teacher. So I started uh, doing, uh, I would say, a fundraiser or donate a book in memory of my mother. Uh, to start that. And so now our, our library has books, but that's that was the first place, the library. Mm-hmm. So the library said, well, Marta, you cannot continue here for the rest of your life, you know? So, uh, <laughs> and I said, okay, where am I going? <laughs> and I thought, well, I could. Anyway, so the, then I knocked on the door on my fellow friends, pastors. I was not a pastor mm-hmm. then. And mm-hmm. they opened their fellowship halls. And yeah. then God called, called me to pastor. Okay. And so I have a church, but it was uh, just an uh, English-speaking church. Okay. So it's been interesting to have two parallel churches. Yeah. Two different cultures. Yeah. And it's been, a, it, it been like very rough. I'm sure. I'm sure. But it's good. But if that's where we, ha- we are. We yeah. are in the church now. But we went ev- we've been everywhere. 
Yeah. I love the, I love that, you know, you have this, you had this gift for teaching and, uh, you heard about, you know, you hear about fresh expressions and this idea and you're just like, we're just going to go to meet at the library. That's such, uh, you know, we just so often we could use so much more of that in the church where we just see an opportunity of a place where we can do something that's going to really demonstrate the love of Jesus to people in a really practical way and just jump on it. Um, and, uh, with all the gifts that so many of us have that I think, you know, yeah, it's just really, really neat story. I'm a teacher. So. I'm a teacher. I mean, I've always been a teacher. I'm a preschool teacher, actually. Okay. And uh, and so, yeah, I love that. And I have to say that um, I didn't see it until I went and had the training of Fresh Expressions. Mm. I didn't mm. see it. Like uh, I, my district superintendent said, and and Tim Thompson from the Mississippi Conference, whom I love and respect a lot, uh, he said. Uh, I think you need to go to Fresh Expressions. Mm. I think you're made for this. And I sat there and I remember taking this training and I kept saying, I don't see this. I don't <laughs> see What is this? You know, how am I going to do this? And I remember the, the circles and, yep. and yep. you know, you know, and I just, I, but I'll have to tell you, then well, the first time when I went, I, I took several trainings and then I had the opportunity of going to the retreat. Uh, yep. which it was, you know, it was a, the best thing I did it was go to that. So when I came out of that retreat, you know, that lasted six months and, and you know, I had somebody coaching me and, and all that stuff. Yep. Then I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so it was great. And that's why it's called Fresh Expressions, the mission. Yep. La misión. Mm-hmm. Expresiones divinas, la misión. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think. That's uh, one of the things I've, we've appreciated ourselves is we've gotten, uh, we went through the training as well, um, that we did pioneer training and, uh, uh, it's been a real, uh, blessing and open eye opening to like just the different ways God could, could use the skills that we have. And yeah, so it's really amazing to hear that story. Um, and I'm so glad that God, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you one thing, I'll tell you one thing when, when I remember, uh, Jill, her name is Jill, isn't, no, I changed her name. The train, the, the lady that trained us, uh, I'm changing her name. Anyhow, uh, I do that a lot. Anyhow, when I remember her saying, going through the little circles, and, and then she said, and some kind of church will come out of this, right? Mm-hmm. That was the last thing. And I said, how can some kind of church will come out of this? How, how does that happen? And, and I remember that she said, it will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I went like, Mm, nah, and it did happen. It did, it happen. did happen, and we have a church because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, you know, we ha- we have a church. That library that we started, that thing that started me reading to kids, it's today. It's La Mission. Today is we have the only S- Spanish speaking Methodist church, United Methodist Church in Mississippi because of this wow and it's uh it's uh and i just quote i know now why i knew some kind of church was going to happen and it did and and we continue to do other practices that are not necessarily our formal sunday services you know we we do other stuff but uh some sort of church came out of all that that's just that's so amazing thank you so much for sharing that story with us it's a great uh 
it's a great way to think about what God's up been up to and in your life. And just to hear what God, it's great to hear when God's up to these things. You, you'd never hear about these stories if it wasn't for express, express expressions and things mm-hmm. like that. Just to get a chance to hear about these amazing things God's doing. Yeah. Now, how have you partnered with schools, libraries, and other organizations to connect people um, with people in your community? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that you cannot do it all. Okay. Mm. Uh, that's the number one thing. Uh, you cannot do it all. And my church is small. Uh, second, I do not have a lot of people to say, I don't have people that are bilingual. So I'm the only one that speaks English. So that makes it a little more difficult. So I came to the, to the realization, you know, these ladies or these families have so many needs. And I did, first of all, we did a, like a focus group. And I started talking to them and asking them uh, over coffee and prayer, what are your needs? And we made mm-hmm. a list and I still got that list. And uh, so that's how I said, when I looked at the list, I said, I can't do this. So I said, I have to bring and do partnerships and partnerships are the best things we can do. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the reason we have been successful is because we have a lot of loving partners that help us. So I went, the first door I knocked was the library. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I went to the library is because everybody goes to the library and the library was doing a lot of reading, but in English. So I said, you know, there's something we have to, we can do for the Latino community here. And of course I found a lady that loved it, embraced it. And that was the first step. Uh, of course I knocked on the door of other fellow pastors in order for me to be able to find books, to find a place to do what I wanted to do, to find volunteers. I didn't have a church then, so I had to knock on doors of other pastors. So I went to my fellow pastors and I did a presentation of what my vision was or what my Mm. mission was. And so they jumped in and they said, you got us. I went and visited churches and presented what we were doing. And if you wanted to join and come and help us just as an individual. And that's how we started developing a tutoring program that it still Mm -hmm. exists. And we have a tutoring program for kids. So then I went to the elementary school and uh, partnered with the principal and talked to her what we were doing and how could I be of help. So I translate at the school in meetings for the parents And as a result of this has been going on now for four years. And as a result of that, they have hired two Spanish speaking people at the school to be the receptionist in order. So that has grown in the sense that now they're more aware of the needs of the Hispanic community. Mm. Then the need was, well, you know what? Uh, They need the mothers need to learn how to write and read English. So I went and partnered with the Literacy Council. And so Miss Miss Suzanne Steele, which she's the director, uh, we decided to come together. And so we have a program now, a one-on-one tutoring program that is for parents. And then I said, who else is in the community? So I said, let me go to the museum. And I went to the museum and there we developed a reading comprehension program uh, through the arts, so kids could have the opportunity to, to enrich their lives with art. And then that opened the door to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And 
the Baptist Association has helped us through COVID with food. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it just, you have to let your story be known. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about it. You have one day I, I put on Facebook, Facebook is a good thing. You know, everybody, I guess because you're so rural, you have, yes, the only entertainment we have, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, I put, I need someone that will help me with reading comprehension. And I found bunches of people that were willing to help. Um, so I think, and I, I, I develop a, a Facebook page. I put the story out. I took, I, I talk about the ministry and every chance I've got, I go mingle. Facebook had been a superb instrument for us to be in touch with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you live, you know, here in, in the rural areas, that's a way to communicate. Everybody puts everything on Facebook. If you want to sell something, if you want to do this, you know, you put it on Facebook and you get rid of it anyhow. So I started doing that. I started putting things on Facebook like I'm looking for someone that knows about reading comprehension, for instance. And all of a sudden, that's how I started my partnership with the museum, because the museum had a person that knew about reading comprehension and had developed this program that reading comprehension through the arts. And so what I was thinking is, what can I give these families to enrich their life, not only spiritually, but also in cognitively, physically, you know, every, every area of development so they can become better and better people to help the community. That's, mm. that's my goal, right? Of course, the soul is important. You know, the spirit is important, but we also have to work with everything else. So I put my things on Facebook and that has opened doors. So that post that I put opened the door for me to meet three and four and five people that I didn't know in town. So I went and met as a result of that also, the New Albany uh, Main Street Association. And the New Albany Main Street Association, it's an association in here that has all the businesses around town. So we're talking here about money, right? Mm -hmm. Well, money makes the world go around. And in order for us to do, I mean, I hate to say that, But in order for us to be able to do some things, you have to have money. And so these people have access, other people to me, so they can help us do things, Mm. you know, and, and so they are fascinated. They, for instance, they have a gala every year and they hire uh, our group to be there uh, to serve the food. But that permits us, my mamas and, and myself, that permits us to know people, that for them to know that we have this ministry mm. and then bring more people. So I, I'm putting myself on everything. Is there a parade that they do? We're going there. Uh, if there is a cleaning event, we had a cleaning event downtown. So I took all my people and we were the biggest crowd and they say our name and we were on the paper. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, letting people know that you are there, because that's the hardest thing when you live in a rural community. And it is, how do you get the word out? Mm -hmm. How do people learn about you? 
I want other Latino families to know that I'm here for them. If you just came into town and you need help, how do they know? Well, I need to let them know. So I use Facebook. I use by the word of mouth. I go to the Mexican store and I have a good relationship with the Mexican store and I go buy stuff and they know me. So they call me. There's one police woman here in this area that is Latino. They got my number. Mm. They call me. So if I need to go pray with someone in jail, there I go. Uh, So it's just you got to go and talk and let your story be known. That's what I can say. And uh, at first I thought it was not possible. I said, I'm not going to be able to do this. But of course, with God, nothing is impossible. We know that, right? And But, you know, we also doubt. <laughs> That's true, too, right? So, uh, we pray and pray, but we go, okay, God, when is it? Uh, when is it? Is it now? Uh, so it's definitely in God's time. But uh, also, it is important to bond with other people to come together. So finding those partners, knocking on doors, uh, getting to know your community. And when I say getting to know your community is who are the decision-making people in this community? Uh, and go introduce yourself. Uh, go knock on there because all is, it's all about what you can offer the people. You don't have it all. Hmm. So COVID came, for instance, and I just, through the Department of Health, brought all these things to the church, health-related. Uh, we had had a community event with doctors and screenings and stuff, but that is because I tell the story and people get interested uh, in, in just by sharing the story and talking about my kids. That's how I call them, my kids, you know, so they know these are Marta's kids. And, you know, so Marta's kids are now famous in town. <laughs> I, one of the things I, I thank you uh, so much for that story, because one of the things that helps uh, remind us all of, I think, is that um, oftentimes in uh, in, uh, in a small town, uh, the church does have a role there. And and it's not you can get to know these people in your community pretty. You know, they're not that far away. They you know, they're not that they're not. Uh, you, you live in a small town. It's easy to get to know them and to find those partnerships. Almost everybody could use partnerships. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure the library was super excited to be able to offer something like that. Oh, yeah. Or the, yeah, I'm sure the museum was really excited to be able to do something like that for the community. And they're looking. They're just looking for the same kind of help um, that, as a church, you're often looking for as someone who's trying to, to 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 share the God. You know, to share Jesus in a creative way and to help people out in the same way. And so, yeah, finding those partnerships uh, can be and so valuable. Think- I think it's also important to say that we don't need to duplicate services. True, true. So, you know, we need to expand. So if I have somebody that I knew, I know they have a food pantry, you know, well, why am I going to open another food pantry? I just need to know where to send them, you know, and if I know that the Council of Literacy is doing this free, which is to teach them to learn how to read and write, why would I do that? Let me send them to that. So that will give me the opportunity to uh, do other things that nobody else does. And that's what I've come to, to, I think that part of our success, other than this is God, this is a God thing, you know, no (laughs) doubt. Uh, It's, it's that, 
that you know we have brought a lot of people in into the into the ministry. Another thing is, you know, when COVID hit, uh, when you lose people, you know, COVID hit hurt everyone, mm-hmm. and we were all very good going, 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 going. COVID, and then it, everything went like flat. So you have to use creative ways to bring people in. So I had a, a little truck and I started going in my truck to their homes through the countryside with books and games and food in the backside of my truck. And I will go there because my kids love to read. So mm-hmm. I put out there, if you want to donate books, I'll open a library in my church. And, uh, and so people can, you know, can't, if you cannot go to the library, then you can, you know, pick a book here because reading is essential, right? Mm-hmm. For everything. And so I had all these books and games that people gave me and I will put them in the back of my truck and I will go to the Baptist Association and they will give me food, candy <laughs> or little things, whatever they had. And I would just visit and go around the whole community in the countryside and take. And we'll leave it at the doorsteps, you know, and the kids' face were incredible. I mean, they were like, whoa, there comes Marta, there comes Marta, she's coming, you know, she has potato chips or whatever, you know, and she has books and uh, had puzzles and paints and crayons and, and stuff like that. So do not limit yourself. Mm. It's not, it's not the structure. Sometimes we think that we have to do everything under that church. Now, of course, it's comfortable. Yes, it is. But the reality is that that's the, that's the, the wonderful thing about fresh expressions. And this is what captivated me. And it was, it's not the traditional thing. Anything that you do for the love of Christ is church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just love that. I just love that thought. So going in that car. And going around in my little truck, which I don't have anymore. Now I have a smaller car and it's full of junk too. But anyhow, uh, yeah, it's like, again, I have everything in my trunk. But that was the way I kept in touch with them. Mm-hmm. So if you live out and you have family that are out that are not coming, go knock on that door. Go take them books. Go sit. Just take. I'm starting a new ministry now that I like to share. I'm so excited. I'm I have I haven't been successful yet, I have to say, but I'm starting it. <laughs> uh and it's called um wait a minute. <laughs> Give me a minute. It's called Coffee, Bread and Jesus. Mm. And uh I love coffee, see, and I love bread. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> yeah, I like to eat. And if you've tasted Mexican bread, mm. uh why down here in the south we don't have the bakeries that you have up there in, in the north, right? <laughs> So, uh, which in Puerto Rico, we have a lot of bakeries, but mm-hmm. here you have Mexican bread, which is delicious. So mm-hmm. to have a cup of coffee and to have bread is something. So I decided let's take Jesus to the street. So I started knocking on doors. That's where I haven't been successful because I want to, I want to go to the work areas and stand mm-hmm. outside in the parking lot and give out coffee and bread and Jesus. So pray for me okay. because People are not being very receptive, <laughs> but I'm not giving up <laughs> anyway. It will happen. It wow. will happen. 
I bought some bread yesterday, put it in the freezer, and I said, God, I'm getting ready. You let me know where I need to go. <laughs> so uh, so I'm on, on that one, but uh, because I felt that I needed to get out more. Hmm. And I live in a community. I mean, my church is in a community of a lot of uh, places, factories, industries. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a lot of people there and yeah. a lot of Latinos and white people. So. Yeah. That's something new. So be creative. Don't be afraid. I would say don't mm-hmm. be afraid. Sometimes we get so afraid of stepping out of comfort zones. Uh, and uh, no, you know, it might not work. Well, if it doesn't work, then we'll try something else. It doesn't matter. Yep. You know, just don't give up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, everybody Yeah, needs to listen to. I, I, I've got like 12 ideas now because yeah. of things I need to try to. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, you're, uh, yeah, this is, thank you so much for that. And now I'm stepping on your question. That's Kathy, totally but. fine. Um, so before we close out today, uh, I have a question for you. What is one spiritual practice that you have found meaningful in your own faith journey? Oh my gosh. I journal okay. and I pray and I just love that. I mean, I get up in the morning and I get up quietly cause I don't want my husband to get up. Okay. Nothing personal, nothing personal. But I just don't want him to get up uh, because I want to be just by myself. So I get my coffee again. I yep. get my coffee and I sit in my little chair and I get my notebook and I pray and I write and I listen to him and I worship and I listen to music and I do devotion. That special time with God every morning. It's what completes my life. Mm. If I mm. didn't have that, I couldn't face the day. Mm. And so my spiritual practice or my discipline, it's that, first of all, taking the time and do prayer and, uh, and, and just write. I write. I love to write. Mm. I love notebooks, pens, and writing. So, you know, <laughs> so I have like 25 million books. <laughs> no, but, uh, and yes, that's the most. And I got that from my mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't write, but she had that time. I could re- I could see her sitting mm-hmm. at the table and doing that. Yep. Uh, and do that. You cannot start the day without God. Mm-hmm. You cannot. There's no way you can. So get your coffee, get your bread, yeah. and get, <laughs> and get well, some juice. Well, yeah. we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. If people want to find you online, where can they find you? They can get uh, find me at Glenfield UMC, and then I have uh, another page which is in Spanish. It's Expresiones Divinas, La Misión, Fresh Expressions, The Mission. Okay. And okay. Uh, and and it, we have a page too. Okay. Uh, and so please, uh, yes, it's cool, and I. I uh, Glenfield, the, the page is really active. So I'm always posting stuff oh, and I'm great. the one that, you know, do. So you see a lot of there and it's in Spanish and English. It's a bilingual oh, great. page. Oh, great. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't be afraid. Be creative. Eat some bread, drink some coffee and have oh. lots of pieces. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. God bless you all. God bless.
we really want to thank Marta for uh, taking the time to interview with us. Um, again, I think hopefully you found that as helpful and as encouraging as as we both did. Um, so one of the things we were doing each time we get uh, uh, on on this side of interviews uh, in the podcast is we're going to talk about something that each of us took away uh, as a central, uh, like just a takeaway point from this. So Kathleen, what was your takeaway point from Marta? Use your passions to reach out. I loved how she uh, talks about reading um, and encouraging uh, children to read and all that she did with that. And, uh, I, I love sourdough. So that's probably where, <laughs> where I should go, but it was just and really good. do that kind of thing. I do, but I, I think I could, I could do more. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, that's one of the things I think you could take away from artists. Like this thing, mm-hmm. I could do it, uh, more, I could do it more for Jesus. I could do it, you know, that, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, really, really, really great stuff there. How about you, Chris? Um, yeah. So I, um, uh, liked that she said find partners, which is something we've I think heard as a bit of a theme. Uh, actually, in a bunch of the interviews that we've done, this idea that yeah, I was going to say with Pam Morris in uh, episode three, she talked yeah, about finding I, partners. Even too. even back in episode one with Alan uh, Stanton, I think one of the things he talked about with being that anchor institution in your community mm-hmm. um, that it can be really helpful. Also, to um, uh, one of the ways you do that is you partner with some of the other institutions and and you you become a central point for them. So. Um, you know, that's, I think finding those partners can be, and, and uh, it's made me think about, you know, we've, we certainly as a church, we've partnered with, uh, different organizations and now certainly like we talked about the fire department, that's sort of natural since I'm on the fire department. Um, we certainly have partnered with, um, the collaborative, which is kind of the, the local after school, uh, care, uh, they do run an after school program. They also run the, the school's drug and alcohol prevention program. Um, and, and other groups as well over the years, um, we have certainly partnered with, but got me thinking like, oh, we could, we should, could and should try to find, uh, additional ways to partner. We f- partner with the local food pantry, um, definitely mm-hmm. neighbor's pantry. So yeah, there's just try to find those ways where you can really partner with others, uh, and, uh, not necessarily, uh, duplicate efforts, but, um, help where you can be helpful. And if you see something that needs to be done, uh, start to do it yourself, but also find other people who, who share that interest. I mean, I, I love for, for Marta that she saw this need for, for reading for, for Spanish speaking students and, uh, and said, Hey, you know, the library is going to be, this is something that, that's part of their mission too. So we can, we can use their space and they'll be excited to do that with us. And yeah, just finding those creative ways to partner like that. Really good stuff. Um, so one of the things um, that we're starting to be able to do here is share, uh, uh, stories at the end here of something that's happened recently or something that's happened that reminds us that we live in a rural area. And today we have some uh, one from uh, from uh, somebody who sent one into us. Yeah, on our uh, in our Facebook group, we had asked the question, and Bennett Clough said, "Hearing roosters crow very loudly as we left a meeting at one of uh, at one of his churches." Yeah, and uh, so I we can definitely identify with that. We've already talked about chickens a bunch. Uh, we have chickens. Our neighbors on just about every side have chickens. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, certainly we have a rooster as well. We told you a little bit about that story a couple weeks ago. And uh, uh, we certainly sometimes uh, hear him. He's he's mostly a morning rooster. Um, he doesn't throw much else for the rest of the day, but he can be kind of l- loud in the morning. But um, thinking about chickens, uh, <laughs> it got us thinking about uh, one of this funny story. We have. So the first year we had, first summer we had chickens. Um, we had we got them in April. We told you we got them at the beginning of the pandemic. Our daughter wrote a persuasive, persuasive essay encouraging us to get chickens uh, because she wanted chickens, and we were like, "We're not getting chickens." But you wrote this persuasive f- essay, and the 
your school has shut down and your life has kind of gotten very small. Sure, we'll get chickens. So anyways, we got six chickens. Um, about halfway through the first summer that we had the chickens, uh, they were out. Uh, so they got out. I don't remember how they got yeah. out. Who knows? Um, probably a door got left open, which I'm sure is how they got out. But how, why, why a door got opened or anything like that? Who knows? But um, we collected the chickens, got them back in the coop, and one chicken was missing. Um, Sunny, who was one of our chickens. And I was texting all of our neighbors. Yes, Kathleen texted all of our neighbors. We searched for a while. Uh, no Sunny. Um, which if you've had chickens, you know, this is not, and we, we were new to chickens, but we, we knew enough people with chickens to know, you know, chickens get left out. Often they, predators find them and, or whatever, they, they don't come back generally if you don't find them right away. So uh, we did look, I remember uh, one, about a week later, Daniel's, uh, our, our son is said he think, I think I heard uh, a chicken across the, the street in the woods. And we spent like an hour, like going through this little, like one acre section of woods across the street from us. No chicken, no Sunny. I, I, I don't know what Daniel heard. I don't think it was Sunny. However, three months later, so this is this happened towards the beginning of the summer. It was before the kids were out of school. And at, towards the very end of summer, we're outside with some friends. And uh, all of a sudden, we were having, we were uh, hanging out with uh, this other couple. They have a bunch of kids that we, we hang out with quite frequently. And we were um, across the street in a little space we have where we have a fire pit just kind of standing there and all of a sudden we hear this yelling from several of the children which usually means uh oh somebody's hurt but they were not uh eventually we could discern that they were saying sunny is back and so somehow after three months now we do not know how on earth this happened but sunny returned to our chickens uh like three months after we had lost sunny um there's a couple hypotheses one it was the summer chickens can survive in Vermont in the summer on their own. Um, and we do live you know, closer to town. So there's not, a, I mean, there's plenty of wild animals around and we've had a fox get chickens, but who knows? Um, the other option is that the, the, our chicken, our neighbors who have a lot of chickens, they own a restaurant and they have, um, I think at times they've had upwards of a hundred chickens. I don't think they do currently. They've had a lot of chickens at times in the past uh, that Sunny somehow managed to find her way into their coop and then eventually found her way back to our coop. Also an outside chance that Sunny was a chicken from from their group and it wasn't the same original chicken we don't really know uh, but sunny did find her way back to her so we refer to sunny as the chicken who came back but three months <laughs> three months we were uh that sunny was gone so yeah that was a long time to talk about chickens yeah uh, i i sort of apologize uh in advance i i feel like that we've told most of the really good chicken stories already though so maybe yeah. now maybe now we'll you find have stories to, if you're getting sick of chicken stories from us hopefully mm-hmm. this will cool well, thanks for joining us yeah. for this episode. And we hope that you'll share this with other people that you think would find this encouraging. Definitely. And um, certainly if you haven't um, uh, joined the, the Facebook group, uh, which is Rural Renewal Podcast Community. Um, or you can uh, email us one more time, Kathleen. What's that email? Address? Podcasts at freshexpressions.com. All right. We'll see you again in a week. Rural Renewal Podcast is a part of the Rural Renewal Summit, an initiative of Fresh Expressions happening April 21st and 22nd. The summit is a two-day digital event exploring new possibilities for small town churches. Learn more at freshexpressions.com slash summit. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we live, eat, work, and play by leveraging the creativity and endurance of the inherited church. 
learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of the church that works in small towns, big cities, and everywhere in between, go to freshexpressions.com slash how to start. To connect with this podcast, you can email us at podcasts at freshexpressions.com. Rural Renewal Podcast is hosted by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Blackie. It is edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Our North American director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you've learned something or have been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Let us end with this prayer for town and rural area from the Book of Common Prayer. Lord Christ, when you came among us, you proclaimed the kingdom of God in villages, towns, and lonely places. Grant that your presence and power may be known throughout this land. Have mercy upon all of us who live and work in rural areas and grant that all the people may give thanks to you for food and drink and all other bodily necessities of life. Respect those who labor to produce them and honor the land and the water from which these good things come. All this we ask in your holy name. Amen.